Right, in the book of Matthew, in chapter number 2, we are going to deal this morning with the subject of worship, a thought that's been on my heart much of late. And I realize uh, that there are a lot of things that are of necessity when it comes to the church, to the body of believers, when we congregate together. I realize that uh, we must uh, and we do preach, uh, we sing, we uh, have our prayer times, we take up our offerings, uh, and the church is used of God in many different ways as far as ministries are concerned, uh, missions that was mentioned today. And, of course, the emphasis that we make upon evangelism, that sinners, uh, as we all have been, can be saved. All that is important. Uh, the preaching on sanctification and holiness, as your pastor has mentioned this morning, uh, we can't leave that out. All of these things are of necessity. But I want to say to you, they're secondary to the primary thing, and that is worship. Everything that we do must be a byproduct or an outflow of our meeting with God. You see, that's where salvation began, is when God came to you. There was a confrontation, there was a meeting. And uh, through that, official, that initial uh, uh, revelation of God to your heart, that worship experience of repentance and old-time salvation, birthed you into God's family, began that uh, worship experience. And uh, the church still needs that. And the most important thing that we could do here this morning is to leave this place and beyond a sermon, beyond an outline, beyond a song or anything else is to know that we have met with God and have felt His presence and have worshipped Him in spirit and in truth. Now, Let's begin reading in verse number 1 of chapter 2 of the uh, book of Matthew. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he, born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. 
And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down, and here's our word, and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him, him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this gathering this morning here in the many places across this country where your children will gather in your name and your servants will proclaim your word. I pray that the kingdom of God would be furthered. The Holy Ghost would do a mighty work. Sinners would become aware of their condition. And Lord, trust you as Savior. The saints would be strengthened for the battles that are ahead. Our hope would be stirred for eternity. May you have your will and your way this day. May we worship you. We do pray for the prayer request, the one that was mentioned. Lord, that you would touch this elderly gentleman, and Lord, that you would take care of this situation. And certainly, Lord, there are many that are lost in our families, and the Spirit of God speak to them. In thy name we pray, and for thy sake, and amen. I read in the book of the Revelation, chapter number 4, of a golden day in which the scripture says that there will be four and twenty elders who will bow at the feet of the Lord Jesus and cast their crowns at his feet. What a wonderful day that's going to be, and I'm looking forward to that. I have also read in the New Testament of the many times in which Jesus performed mighty miracles such as raising the dead, walking on the water, breaking the loaves, and feeding the 5,000. And there were several occasions in which the Scripture said, and, they, and the people marveled. And they said, what manner of man is this? And they worshipped him. But here in our text, I find some wise men that have come from the east to worship him. They are not worshiping the Christ that is on a throne. They are not worshiping a Christ who has entered his ministry and is walking on water or raising the dead. But they are worshiping the baby Jesus. They're worshiping a baby before he ever crawled, let alone walked on water. They're worshiping the baby Christ before he ever talked let alone calm the storms or spoke to the storms. They're worshiping a baby before he ever formed a thought, let alone confounded the doctors and the lawyers in the temples. They were worshiping the baby Jesus. Now I'm certain if you're saved here this morning that you too have worshipped Christ. You have worshipped the Savior who, who was crucified and buried and rose again the third day and sits on the right hand of the Father and is coming again. You have worshipped the Lord of glory as his child. But the question that I ask you this morning is, have you ever been privileged to worship the baby Jesus in his infant stage, the young child 
as the scripture says. These wise men worshipped him in his infancy. There are four things that I want to say to you concerning worshipping the baby Jesus. Notice with me, first of all, I believe in that these wise men worshipped the baby Jesus. They were privileged to worship in the faith places. I mean by that, there were no great hosts and crowds worshiping this baby on this day. When they came, of course, these wise men came passing up many kings and many kingdoms, even Herod himself, of which there were notable kings and kingdoms, very recognizable. And of course, they probably gave them honor and respect. But when it came to worship, they passed by all of the seen kings and kingdoms of this world, and they come to the one that was unseen in his infant stage before he was ever proclaimed or recognized by any human or any set of people to be king, and they came and worshipped this insignificant child as far as the world was concerned, and they worshipped him as, they said, king. You know why? Because they worshipped him by faith. And of course, the totality of all worship is a worship of faith. They worshiped him in spite of all the established kingdoms that were around them because they had had a revelation from another world that said, there is in that world and in that set of kingdoms, there is a child who is king of kings and lord of lords who is king of another kingdom and another world that is unseen. And I want you to go through all of these kingdoms and get to that king and I want you to worship him. He'll be a little baby, but you worship him in the faith stages. In spite of all the establishments. In spite of his development. They are not going to wait to see what he is going to become and how he is going to develop. They're not going to wait to see him perform his first miracle or speak his first word. They're going to worship him here and they're going to worship him now by faith in spite of the development. I've found that God does many wondrous works in our lives that we don't understand and we cannot see the end. We do not have the foresight to see the end of, of, of the trauma or the trial or the situation. But yet by faith we still believe that no matter what's happening as far as the establishments of this world, and no matter the developments of what is taking place in our lives, and no matter we cannot see beyond today, yet by faith we do believe that the King of kings and Lord of lords is to be worshipped in our lives. We worship him by faith. Though the others around us, the worlds and kingdoms and people uh, around us, the crowds are not worshiping him, yet we do worship him because we worship. Because we have heard from another world that he is the one to be worshipped. They worship the baby Jesus. And in doing so, they are privileged to worship by faith. Thank God. And you and I are here this morning and we are privileged to worship Christ by faith. It's 
spite of what maybe the doctor has said, in spite of what situation we're going through by faith, he's still king. And how many times have I shaken hands with someone who has lost a loved one or who has had a bad report from the doctor and they have said to me, I want you to know, preacher, he's still on the throne. They worship by faith. But not only do we notice that these wise men who are privileged to worship the baby Jesus, not only do they, not only are they, are they privileged to worship in the faith places, <laughs> but I notice that they are privileged to worship in the feeble places. Notice, if you will, in verse number 11. Now, I realize that at Christmas time we have our manger scenes. And we have the wise men coming to a cave, and we have the baby in a little, uh, uh, you know, a little manger there, and the animals all around. But according to verse number 11, if I read it right, the Bible said, and when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child. Evidently, by the time the, the wise men get there, Mary and Joseph had moved into a house. But I would suggest to you from all the implications in Scripture that I can see and I can tell, Joseph and Mary were people of, of uh, meager means as far as this world is concerned. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees made fun and made light of Jesus. Oh, he can't be king. Why? Well, he's the son of a carpenter. He's the son of a commoner. He doesn't have royalty, he doesn't have wealth, he has no crowns, he has no robes, he has no throne. There is nothing that he possesses in this world that would even indicate that he's anywhere near being a king of any sort. They live, no doubt, on the poverty level. And I would suggest to you the house that they lived in was probably not much better than the cave that Jesus was born in. <laughs> but it did not hinder these men of faith. It did, bother, did not bother them to move by all of the palaces and, and all the royalties and all of the thrones and come to a little sheltered house, a little humble abode, and, and there in that little old house where no one else is aware and where the crowds are not at the door and going in in the simplicity, the simplicity of the hour and bowing and worshiping the baby Jesus. He has no satin pillows nor silk covers there to cover him over. He has no sign of royalty. But they say he is king. They know that he is. And they're privileged to worship in places that others do not even know that you can worship. In the little feeble places of life. All oh, the good news is, if you're willing to worship the baby Jesus in his infant beginning works in your life, you can worship him in the faith places and you can worship him in the feeble places. You don't have to have the golden chandeliers. You don't have to have the ivory palaces. You don't have to have all the bills paid. You don't have to have a nice big house. You don't even have to have a new car. You don't have to have perfect health. You can worship him in those feeble places in your life. When you're laying on your back in the hospital somewhere, or mama, while you're, while you're vacuuming that carpet or washing the dishes or daddy, while you're on the job there at the foundation working there by that machinery, I tell you, you are privileged to worship him in those feeble places of life. 
a lady back in the mountains that highly impressed me had a daughter that had cerebral palsy. And oftentimes I'd go by to visit them too. She was in her 70s, her daughter's in her 30s. And I went by because they lived in a little old hut up a holler. And I, I just, I, 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 every time I went, I felt the presence of God. I worshiped there. I love to hear this elderly lady pray. She could just take me to the throne. And I remember on one occasion I had been there and boy, she closed out our little time of fellowship together in prayer and I just felt God so real and so thick. And I turned leaving that house and walking up into the yard, little humble abode that very few people even knew existed. The meager of affairs. And I don't know why I did it, but I just stopped and talked to the devil. I don't know if he ever done that. <laughs> and I said, oh devil... I don't know if you're anywhere around here or not. But if you are, and you got to go in there, I feel sorry for you. Oh, the Lord is real. And he's mighty in that place. But you see, the Lord can show up and can be in the feeble places of our lives. We are privileged to worship him in the faith places, and we are privileged to worship him in the feeble places. Oh, they said, we don't mind worshiping here in this little abode. They worshiped in the faith places and worshiping the baby Jesus. They worshiped in the feeble places. But can I say to you thirdly, in that they worshiped the baby Jesus, they were privileged to worship in the first places. <laughs> well, here we have the baby Christ. Oh boy, this thrills my heart. And as far as I know, when Jesus was born, the only record we have of anybody worshiping him is the record of these wise men. And then the shepherds are told, and of course they go, but we're not told that they worship. I suppose they probably did. But if they did, then we only have, we only have the wise men and the shepherds. What a glorious occasion. The Lord of glory is brought into this world and you only have you only have a few wise men and possibly a few shepherds out of all of humanity. <laughs> how many could have, but how many did worship him? Only a very few. And you know, it's thirty long years from the time that that these wise men worship Jesus 30 long years before the next individual worships the Son of God. What wasted worship time. My goodness. Don't you know that there were many, even his own physical brethren, born his, his own brethren. Do you know, as little old children, they could have said, Jesus... Before we play tag, would it be all right if we worship a little bit? And then we'll play our game. <laughs> Can you imagine that? They could have done it, all of his friends. <laughs> and he's a carpenter. And all of those other men that worked with him on the job, they could have said, Jesus, if you don't mind, before we frame up this house, can we worship the one that framed the universe? <laughs> they could have had worship, but it was 30 years before anybody worshipped. The rest of that crowd had to wait to see how he turned out. They had to wait to see how he developed. They had to wait to see a miracle. They had to wait to see something fancy. But honey, these men didn't 
You don't have to wait to see the development. You can worship now where you're at in the first places. They worshiped him first. Job, in the book of Job, I tell you, all hell broke loose in his life. But he didn't wait until chapter 42 to see how it was going to turn out before he worshiped. In chapter 1, he said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, and Job worshiped. I heard Mays Jackson on the tape talking about his son being off somewhere in a conflict, a war, battle, out of the country. Him and his wife were sick about it, and finally he told his wife, said, I'm going up to North Georgia mountains get along with God. And he did. And he said, well, I was up there. He said, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, it's going to be all right. Amen. So I went back to the house and said, of course, my wife hadn't been up there and she's still worried, walking the floor, pacing the floor. Finally, she said, Maze, I'm worried to death over our son. He said, you act like you don't care. He said, well, honey, I, you know, I've done talk to the Lord about it. It's going to be all right. And so one day she went out to the mailbox and she got a letter and her son had written and said that he had just landed in California. He'd be home a couple of days. Everything's all right. She come a shouting up the walk into the house and said, Maze, listen to this. We'll be all right. She was praising God about it. And Maze just sitting there reading the newspaper. <laughs> she started, she said, Maze, how come you ain't excited? Why ain't you praising the Lord? He said, honey, I found my answer three weeks ago. I've been praising God a long time. Ah, oh, listen, we can praise God now where we're at, or you can wait to see how it's going to turn out to try to start praising Him. I'd rather praise Him through the ordeal instead of waiting until it's over. Now, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know how long these wise men lived, but since I'm doing the preaching, I'm going to suppose. Let's just suppose that these wise men lived off in the east there for 30 more years and the news got back from Israel to these men in the east. Did you know that there's a man down by Galilee they say can walk on water? They say he actually raised a man by the name of Lazarus from the dead. He broke bread and fed, I tell you, 25,000 people. And, and they say that there's a bunch of people worshiping him. I can see them wise men looking at him and saying, that ain't nothing. We did that 30 years ago. <laughs> worshiping in the first places, honey. When it doesn't seem like everything's all right, and maybe it seems as though your world is falling apart, and you don't know what's going to happen after you're privileged to worship now. Where you're at. They worship. They worship the baby Jesus. <laughs> in the faith places, in the feeble places, and in the first places. But I want to say to you lastly, they were privileged in that they worship the baby Jesus. They were privileged to worship in the forever places. You see, when they came in that little house that day and bowed down before that little child, the baby, they were doing what's going to take place throughout all of eternity. Because you see, he was no less Though he was a baby, he was no less king of kings there than what he would ever be. <laughs> so they were getting in on what was going to happen forever and forever. As a matter of fact, that's what worship is. 
<laughs> We're since plugging in on the what the atmosphere that's in heaven all the time. <laughs> The glorious thing about worship is if you ever die while you're worshiping, you'd never know you ever changed gears. Because when you stepped off on the other side, that's what they'd be doing. I read to my wife here a while back, a fella a year or so ago, he prayed a prayer and he said, Lord, is heaven as boring as folks say it's going to be? Is all we're going to do, and what the Bible says, is all we're going to do is just worship and praise the Lord. I told my wife, I said, he don't have to worry about it. He ain't going. No, listen. When you plug in to worship, you're doing what's in heaven. That is the temperature of heaven all the time. They are worshiping the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. And when we get into eternity, honey, we're going to do that what the wise men did when Jesus was born. And can you imagine... When we get there, now, now, by the way, I believe these wise men are going to be there. <laughs> I do. Because you see, if you've ever worshipped in the faith places, and you've ever worshipped in the feeble places, and you've ever worshipped in the first places, you will worship in the forever places. But if you've never worshipped in the faith places, and you've never worshipped in the feeble places, you've never worshipped in the first places, honey, you're not going to worship in the forever places. But these men are going to worship there with us one day. <laughs> and can you imagine what it's going to be like? I was in a service here a while back with a great host there. It was over 10,000 people. <laughs> and in unison, we were all singing to the glory of God. Woo, I'm going to tell you. It was, it was, honestly, I've been a few places when it was beyond the shout, and that was one of them. I was absolutely numb. My soul was lifted up, and, and, um, and my wife, too. Oh, everybody. And I thought, boy, this is just a foretaste of glory divine. <laughs> when the host of ten thousands upon tops of ten thousands and millions and millions and millions and millions at one time and one anthem is going to sing praises and glory to the king. One of these wise men is going to punch the other and say, you know, seem like we've been here before. <laughs> Remember the day when I went into a little humble bowl with a little old baby wife wrapped in swaddling clothes and no great hosts and pronouncements and no royal crowns and robes and satin pillows, but he was king and we found him king and we worshipped him as king and we found out he was king. Hallelujah. <laughs> They worshipped the baby Jesus. I want to say to you this morning, we are privileged. Oh yes, one day to worship Him on a throne. And we are privileged to worship Him as one who has saved us. But in our everyday life, if you just look around, you'll find the baby Jesus. And you're privileged to worship in faith places in feeble places, in first places, and in forever places.